Welcome to the Midnight Mystics. On tonight's episode, we're going to be revisiting a conversation that we had with Omar Riverstone of the Jasmine Dragon. Um, Omar is a really good buddy of mine who I originally met at Dream Dance at Ohm Culture in Seattle, Washington. He was serving tea off in the corner, and it was my very first introduction to anybody in the community. Sat down with Omar and had some tea. Now, I had never served tea before, and I've actually, at the time, not really had an official sit down with a real tea master. And um, yeah, I got to know Omar from that point forward. We kicked it off, and then I met up with him at Cascadia, the very first Cascadia back in 2015, and he let me hold down the Jasmine Dragon. I got to serve tea overnight and in the morning to the kiddos, and uh, kind of cut my teeth on the dragon, which is like the greatest starting place to pour tea in the world, at least in my experience. And um, then had tea with Omar at Imagine, the Imagine Music and Arts Festival on Orcas Island, and um, drank some tea with Omar and his crew at Beloved. Omar has really been a cornerstone of the community the tea community, as well as the transformational community in the Pacific Northwest in general. He's seen as a vagabond and a leader of community, and I haven't been in communication much with Omar in the past year, so since we've not been having gatherings, I don't really know what he's been up to, probably just being the best dad he could be. Um, But for anybody curious on the origin stories of the superhero known as Riverstone, Omar Riverstone, um, listen in for the next hour, because... It's a really interesting, unexpected story on how he um, got his tea wings, as Omar would say, bless it. Enjoy the conversation, everybody. What is your relationship with tea, Omar Riverson? My relationship with tea? It's uh, a good one. <laughs> good relationship? Uh, no, for me, tea... Uh, Primarily is it's like an activating, kind of catalyzing carrier frequency. Um, it's amazing. It, it gives this uh, space of connection and flow that is so effortless and transparent. It's it's almost a bit of like sorcery and alchemy all kind of tied up in one. Like in the space of tea ceremony people tend to just automatically like inherently drop their guard like without even thinking about it you know like also have people in you know like with arms crossed you know who are like the real like stickler you know like not the early adopters but even then you know like it's such a magical experience to see because it is this it is this kind of like um it's this unseen kind of frequency that automatically I put somebody in a different space without them even really realizing it and so people would be like so much more open and so much more like literally emotionally available than they are in their usual life with regular like you you could be in all of you could be all strangers and like people end up opening up and sharing in a much more intimate way than they would in any other kind of interaction that I've ever seen you know like there are few kind of like portals like this in life where people so effortlessly engage and for me this space totally does that in 
heart because it itself is a like is a is an expression of of beauty and art and for me this space is literally like a physical incarnation of like the vessel that I hold for my own heart space that's big enough for like eight people to crawl in and so I think just viscerally people pick up on that without having to be said you know like there's a very special kind of energy in this place in particular but um, that really just amplifies the vibe that Tia already has going for it which is that it's this beautiful kind of carrier frequency and catalyzer where people can can connect in ways that are kind of unpredicted and unexpected. But I, I, I just like see the same space with like, you know, barley and rye and yeast and grapes and like the different, the different fermentations of alcohol. And if you were serving a different liquid out of that carrier, then the vibe in here would be affected by the artistic totally, expression. Yeah. However, it it would it would be a bar, you know. And it's a, and that in and of itself is a completely different vibe, you know. Like alcohol is, while it's great and it can also be a really amazing social lubricant, it also is like it's shifting outside of. Like it depends on who's who's imbibing, obviously, and it affects people differently. But in general, like alcohol has a tend to shift you out of the presence and not so much in your body in presence. Like you're literally like your body's becoming numb. Like you're literally like surrendering yourself to another experience, which is totally valid and there's nothing wrong with that. But tea has the opposite effect. Like it's actually like drawing you into the present. It's like, uh, my friend has, Steve has a term like tea real, like you're not tea drunk. Like tea drunk is like the misnomer. Like it's not a very accurate description of what's happening. Like tea has the ability to bring you more powerfully into presence, not only with yourself, but into presence with others and in your own body in such a way that um, you find yourself making connections just really effortlessly. And I've, like, I've been doing it this long, like I just see like all these crazy cool people sharing their passions. And so you get this heightened kind of catalyzing cross-pollination effect where like this is totally a passion of mine. So like my passion is already like very like engaged viscerally, like just by being in this experience. And in reflection of that, like it pulls other people's passions out. So people will tend to be like, oh, I totally love this space. Like I would love to make a little space like this for sewing custom clothes for people. Or like, I would love a little space like this where I could sit and do whatever they're passionate about, you know? And and so people will end up sharing much more vulnerably and openly about what's most important to them. And when people are sharing like super passionately about what's in their heart, like what feeds them and fuels them, like you can't not have this really beautiful, magical kind of um, activating kind of frequency engaging. And it all does it just completely like effortlessly without any push or pull. You know, like for me, I just hold space that everybody in my space is automatically already okay. Like there's, there's no wrong way to be, you know, like this space totally manages itself. Like I don't, and I've had some random things happen in here, but like, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing in that there's no, like for me, there's no wrong way of doing it. And there's no wrong way of being like, this container is sacred enough that it carries itself. You know, like I've had like really drunk people in here. I've had like, really drunk literally like psychotic people in here and the space totally manages it like the people in this space are just like 
really present, you know, and I've and it's just been this magical miracle to see those interactions because I don't step in and like moderate it. I'm just like holding space, the same space that I always hold, which is like you're automatically like perfectly okay just the way you are, and you're loved and accepted and appreciated just for being here and for for being present. And the the frequency of the tea for me is that beautiful equalizer, like. There's something really special and sacred to have, like literally like one mouthful at a time prepared just for you. Like where else in life would you have that much like love and intentionality oh. put to like literally like one mouthful at a time? I think it's why the bourgeois can pay forty dollars for a little tiny plate with totally like handcrafted. Tiny, exactly. It's a similar. What are they called? Yeah. What are they called? The little the little plates. Forget the name. Forget the name of them. But it is a similar kind of feel, yeah. like but in a much more abundant way. Like, you can have, like, one mouthful at a time for 150 cups, and I'm just gonna keep rocking, you know, and I'm not gonna shut you off, I'm not gonna kick you out, I'm not gonna, you know, like, for me, tea is an, ex an exercise in abundance and flow and an affirmation of, of, like, simple, unspoken, like, beauty and ease. And so within that container, like, everybody arises in that flow. like. You're in this river whether you like it or not. And it's like, it's this beautiful, like, it's not a coercive thing, it's just like, it's already engaged. Like, if you're coming to play, like, that's the, that's the frequency that you're diving into. And, and it's a rare kind of space to have held for you. You know, like, there aren't a whole lot of places in life where nothing is expected of you. Nothing is, like, um, in general. I mean, like, private sessions are obviously, like, a bit different container, but, like, I'm talking about, like, a, open session tea, like where I'm at festivals or whatever, like, like literally nothing is required, nothing is expected of you, like, you're just welcome to come and sit for as long as you want, you know, like when I first started, I, I walked the fence on like whether or not I should kick people out after a while, you know, like, the first couple times I went to Beloved, there would be this whole crew of people in here that a lot of, usually times like the musicians and artists. And they would stop drinking tea, like, and I would just be like holding space for these amazing conversations, which were rad too. But like, there were all these people like wanting to drink tea, and you know, like I, I, I did boot a couple of people out a couple of times. Really? And I'm not like you need to leave now, but like, it'd be great if we can make space for other people to serve tea. And like, I got reports later that people literally like left and like had these major breakdowns and like just like uncontrolled it's like falling like I can't believe I like had to leave that space and like it was really really traumatic for them like and I was like that's really good feedback so I just stopped doing it it was just like this place will totally manage its own flow like you're totally okay here as long as you need to be here and like I just trusted it all all gets worked out and that's a really rare kind of space to have in life in general and for me, it's super precious to bear witness to and also to hold space for. So how did the name Riverstone come about? Uh, Riverstone, well, my both my wife and I are very, like, um, connected to, like, the rock and mineral world. You know, like, she's an avid rock hound. And, um, and for me, there's a certain flow to the river that I've always been, like, deeply, deeply connected to. and. Um, so it's just, it was a very kind of like effortless kind of connection. So were the two of you together when that name yeah. emerged? Yeah. I first heard it actually in the ayahuasca ceremony. There was somebody that was named Riverstone. Okay. It was he used as a first name. And it was also a chosen name as well. And 
I was really, I was like, that's really got some beauty in it. So my it friend, kind of arose. my friend Jonathan, he uh, he posted on Facebook. He's a uh, it's kind of like one of these player guys. Like he's sort of like a shamanista, sort of like rocks that new age scene with a lot of uh, grace and appreciation for the for, for the beauty of women and sexuality and all that kind of stuff. And he, he hit up his community on Facebook saying like, hey, new age healer type people, like what's the deal with crystals? Like where's the science behind the crystals? Yeah. What do you think about crystals and like crystal healing and all that kind of? magic so, yeah yeah since you bring up the minerals i'm curious like how you relate to to gems and uh and if you feel like they can be healing and if so like how how you feel like that works intuitively yeah for sure i mean i definitely think people all have their different experience with it and um it's interesting because i tend to be very energetically sensitive um so i have literally like picked up pieces and felt like their history and felt like this energetic tie. Like I had a friend down in Portland who is a tea server as well, and he like appreciates my ability to like feel into stuff. And he's like, I got this really beautiful like double terminated like citrine, beautiful crystal, but like I just have not felt compelled to even hold it. Like I don't, I don't like it. Like, and it's not like it's aesthetically like gorgeous. Like I was totally blown away. But the energy in it was just super dark and super heavy. And like, I have no idea why it was that way, but I was like, this stone does not want to be in human hands. Like, you can take this and throw it in a river and just let it get karmically washed until somebody else finds it a century or two later. Like, so for me, like, it totally depends on, you know, like how, how sensitive you are and how, how much it directly affects you. But my wife, I mean, by her own, account is not very energetically sensitive you know like oh that's interesting she'll sit for tea with poe down in portland he's like oh this is gonna like really move and align this chakra and like these very specific descriptions of how this tea like affects your energy field and i'm totally like i'm like yeah i can totally feel that she's like i don't feel any of it but the tea is good you know so her connection to rocks is very similar and it's it's interesting because it's a much more like hands-on visceral connection like for her she loves going to the river and like literally picking up like river stones and river rocks that are just like aesthetically and like really beautiful and simple and pure and she has this amazing connection with it such that she remembers like where she got the exact rock she's got thousands of rocks and she'll be like going through the rocks she's like oh i got this one at the deschutes river hey mister i didn't know you were coming home early hi could I see if I could play Parker's? Sure, did you do your chores already? No. Would you do that? Sure. Yeah, and then you can go check out and see if Parker's available. And does that include doing anything with Mike? That's a good question. Uh, no, but I do want it done before six. So if you go to a friend's house, I'd like you to come back so that you can get it done by six. Before mom gets home. Okay. Deal? Yeah. All right. Is it okay if I do my homework at Parker's? Sure, yeah. Yeah, if you're doing it there, that's fine. It's got a lot of respect. Oh, I miss having my kid. Mm-hmm. He's a good kid. Yeah. He's got a good pop. Yeah, so for me, like, my experience of stones is completely different than hers. But yet, even if you're not at all energetically sensitive, like, I think stones could still have a very strong impact on you for 
uh, reasons, you know, that may not be super clear, you know, energetically or not, you know, like, um, she found this really beautiful, like, flat black stone that has these, like, little white kind of galactic-looking stars on it, and it's just, like, the most stunning piece, and she just, like, carries it with her all the time, and, you know, like, there's no real other reason than the fact that it's just like it's super soft and it just feels like really good in your hand and it's just this really spacey like galactic looking vibe and you know like it's hard to say like what that's actually doing energetically but um <laughs> speaking of energetically attracted to things awesome <laughs> sharing costumes with friends oh it's friends right across the street yeah oh that's perfect is going on inventory yeah <laughs> i've been thinking about that a lot when it comes to um romance and how people are attracted to each other like i live in my head all the time so it's no wonder that i'm single a uh, bachelor but i um I, I see people and i'm starting to open up to the fact that you know it's really outside of our control it's really something beyond magnetism yeah the energetic sensitivity to the people that we choose to share that space with totally yeah yeah it, it is totally i mean Things will operate on, I think, many levels and perhaps even many dimensional levels at the same time. And there's so much of it that it's it's really ineffable. But you know, like when you feel it, you know, like like it's really fun to take this tea lounge downtown and just like open the doors up, and <laughs> kick, kick the lights on at night. You know, like do you ever do that? I do, yeah. When and do it's you the do most that? Oh. like it's totally random. You got it. You, but it's will you most, like send me a little I will, yeah. heads up when it's you do that? It's the most intoxicating. Only if you invite us to the cedar tree cool home. experience. Yeah. <laughs> because people will like walk by and just like they're instantly just tripping balls. They're like, what is going on? You know, like there's such this like I can't quite even really explain like what all is going on in this space. But like for me, I I mean, so this is my experience of it. So um, for me, all of tea and all of this all started from. Uh, like really realizing, you know, like as I got into my 30s of like, I've been an empath my entire life and have not been responsible for it at all. And consequently, I've just been like buffeted by the energies and emotions of every other person in my life. And it's really tricky in that you don't know that it's not your emotions. You don't, you're not, as an empath, unless you're like really clear and present about how other people's energy and emotions affect you it doesn't seem like it's other people's energies and emotions you experience it firsthand it's like you know like if somebody's bringing a lot of intensity into your energetic field that becomes your first person experience and so uh like i really realized like how completely like un irresponsible i've been about like that and how i mean it's kind of I mean, the word rape is a really intense word, but like it's very similar to like just being like energetically raped all the time and not even knowing it, you know, and it, it's really can be very traumatic. Yeah, it's like Travis um, Bowden, you know, he, uh, he he doesn't go into the city. He yeah. just stays at home Yeah. and then goes on long hikes and then comes back and um, goes to the farmer's market, I think, to pick up, you know, sustenance and then just stays at home. Yeah. Because he can't handle it. Totally, and I can totally relate with that. He's, a str- he's one of the strongest people, you know, like, you know, he, he holds himself well, he's balanced and all that yeah. stuff, but he just can't, once he goes into that frequency of large pools of, you know, my um, 
spiritual teacher, he also, we went to the mall one time and he goes, this is really weird for me. I never, I'm never in this type of environment ever because it's not safe. Yeah. I don't feel safe. Yeah, energetically, it's just a, it's a chaotic windstorm of just randomness. Mm-hmm. And then there's the, the art of maintaining your quiet spaciousness amongst all of the totally. chaos. So for me, like, all of like she kind of oh, stemmed out of that realization of, like, holy crap, like, it's time to put on my big boy pants and start to be responsible for my own empathic kind of nature. And so for me, all this sprouted from this question of, like, I realizing that I'd, I'd never even held a container for my own heart space. Like, I've never held an energetic vessel for me to arrive and to be independent from everybody else. You know, like, I've always just been, like, at the like a reed in the wind just taking on whatever was floating about and it's really chaotic and so for me to really like come into my own and be like no this is my heart energy and like really start to dial into like what that frequency is and like how to hold a container for it and so the first kind of question that arose was like what is sacred to me it's like i wanted to draw into this and create this vessel and container for my heart energy energetically and um so this question of like what is sacred to me brought this whole discovery of like physical touchstones that helped me find my way back to that frequency. And so like it would be, you know, like special like oh this beautiful little gem or like this specific kind of wood, you know, and like I started pulling in these frequencies that were like like little treasure chest items energetically that helped get like this. These are all total touchstones. You know, like for me these are pieces that are like very much at the very center part of my heart energy and as I started to pull more of those physical things together they kind of created a magnetism of their own and gravity of their own and like brought more in and so like every time I saw something that had been really loved up like you can feel it like physical objects tend to bank energy whether it's positive or negative and like a lot of people have experienced that like at yard sales or thrift stores or whatever like there can be something that you're like whether or not it's beautiful or not like people will either have like a really positive like oh that's really cool and like be drawn to it or like holy shit that's got some funky energy like I don't even want to touch that I remember going to a yard sale um, and this lady came up to us it was like a community yard sale it was like a whole block and uh, picked up a Ouija board at age 14 or something and this woman came along this, this this old lady and she's like no, you shouldn't be playing. Especially, it was just like a Parker Brothers, you know, like yeah. straight up plastic set. But she's like, if it belonged to somebody else, you can't use it. Yeah. You have no idea how it's been used. Yeah. What portals it's opened? You just don't yeah. don't touch it. And I remember, um, it had it had such a uh, like a shocking effect to us as as young people. But it had such a shocking effect to our parents as well that our parents were oh, like, yeah. our parents were like actually we're taking this away from you. We're not allowing you yeah. to use the witchy set. <laughs> so, you know, um, how do you discern what energy is yours and what energy belongs to the collective or another individual um, for yourself? Or if, like, if your son was to ask you, like, what going to school yeah. and interacting with others, like... So for me, like, all of that is made much more clear... Uh, with the context of having a container that I like intentionally hold for my own energy, because without having an intentional container that you hold for yourself, it's next to impossible to distinguish what's yours and what's not yours, like in your own field. 
password for King? Oh, uh, three two five zero six D R B. Why would you do it? It started like that. The computer started that way. Yeah. That's weird. Okay. So three two five zero six. Three two five zero six E R B. Yeah. Can I see that Michelle Prince? Yeah. Can you pass it over? Yeah, I just found out that he has the original of it. Oh, yeah? He bought the original. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. She tells me that the original sell really quickly. Where did you pick it up at? Where did you first see the original? Oh, I, I keep an eye on everything she's doing. And when I see stuff come through that I like, I try my best to get it. <laughs> was Was this uh, presented at um, Human Nature? That human nature show in Seattle, or um, was it? She was just working on it, and as soon as I saw where she was going with it, I was like, I want it. Yeah. So I I bought it. Yeah. As lines, you know, before it was had really been colored, um, brought brought to life. So yeah, I just I I saw it and I wanted it. Cool. It's just like nope. Yeah, that's just something about that one. Yeah, that one is super magical gotta, for I me too. I have yeah. that, and so I have like in my bedroom. I have it's all covered with art of all, all my friends. Yeah. And so I can wake up in the morning, and it's kind of like all my friends are there. I'm like, hey guys. <laughs> I'm the same way. And that's that's yeah. the whole reason of so buy the art is just to to. It's got so much good energy in it. It's just to have my friends yeah. right there yeah. in my house with me, so I don't buy art from people I don't. Can know. I see the other one? Yeah. So. I wish I had more of those bees, but I can only afford the one. Do you know about morphic resonance? Have you heard that term before? I have, yeah. Yeah? What do you know about morphic resonance? It's like uh, the communication between, well, I guess, animals and, uh, well, between each other, right? Like nonverbal. <clears throat> right. Energetic fields and then like immediate... Yeah, this one's like right, like when I wake up, it's actually the first thing I see. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, it was described in Waking Life as like the crossword puzzle phenomenon of like the day after a crossword puzzle is released to the public, then people can tap into solving it a lot. Like the average. It's easier to solve, faster, average is faster to solve a puzzle that's already had the answers executed. You, yeah. Yeah. And it also works in negative ways, too. So you'll see oftentimes where if there's, like, a really horrific traumatic suicide, that morphic event will trigger, can trigger other suicides in that, not only in that geographical area, but sometimes often in that exact same spot without anybody having any knowledge of it ha happening there before. Mm. So it can go both ways, which is really, it's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But for me, like, the, this, like, that artwork and, like, having that stuff in your life, for me... This is totally like that. Like I like, I see in a found wood that's like gotten really loved up, but then it's cast aside because it's like outlived its usefulness or it's falling apart or like this beautiful old ship robe from the 1800s is like oh it's all broken and busted, but it's got these really cool elements in it. And so for me, like I'm pulling together all these like loved up little bits, and you're kind of like making this cocoon out of all these really like jammy like. And that's, I think people inherently do that. Like, you're pulling in really beautiful artwork and sacred stuff that your friends have created. It does just that. Like, you have this, like, treasure chest kind of feel, and it's, like, super, you feel held. Like, we feel really affirmed when we have these beautiful, positive reflections coming back. And 
I think that's one thing that works about this space is it's totally like crawling into one of these beautiful little morphic fields that has been really supercharged. And the more like blessers and the more like amazing experiences happen in here, it's like amplifies that. And that was one of the primary reasons why I made this space is because I wanted some place that I could literally bank energy into so I didn't have to keep recreating a container over and over and over again at every event. Mm -hmm. Just like it just keeps getting more and more blessed every time, mm -hmm. which is super fun. Whenever I come in here, I'm like, oh, I'm inside of Omar's heart right now. <laughs> totally has that Because vibe. of how much attention and to the detail of, of every aspect. I mean... Omar has a heart. We're inside <laughs> of it. I just told you. <laughs> You're literally inside of a, a beating chamber of Omar's soul right now. Not necessarily his physical his physical makeup, but his, uh, his consciousness. And... Um, and you're just so loved by everybody, that everybody that, that encounters you, I feel like. And I don't know that. I haven't talked to everybody I that's ever like encountered. Yeah. That's all. Well, I just like his tea. Well, I mean, <laughs> different strokes for different folks, I suppose. I mean, he's okay, you know. Yeah. It's really just all about the tea. But you don't hate the guy, is my point. <laughs> you don't have a beef with him. Uh, it's kind of neutral. <laughs> Do you want to go and uh, see? Maybe Marissa's like in a vortex. She, I think she's probably... She often spends multiple hours on the phone, so... I know, but, she, but I mean, it's an opportunity for her to be in here, so... Yeah, that's very true. want to invite her into the very space to, to ground. I mean, you're welcome to stay. I just wanted to suggest oh, no, that's it. actually an incredible idea. Okay. I appreciate I'm going to take a moment of transition to and go pee. Okay. Could I... Is there... Okay, yeah, yeah. I need to use it yeah, too, yeah. actually. Yeah, we can take a break. And it's nice that the noise outside ended because I don't know how much will, I'll probably transcribe that onto text yeah, so people can read it. Do, yeah. But yeah. Let's see. Cup swap time. Musical cups. Musical cups. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've got a tuner on my phone here. Do you really mind? Yeah. Yeah, I moved it anyway. That's great, because I'm going to have to mess around for 50 hours. I know, I, <laughs> I am so bad at, like, I've got a relative pitch, but definitely not perfect pitch by any stretch of imagination. Can I put this over here? Yeah. Sweet. Mm. It sound, it'll just sound off as it... <laughs> Was a gradual turn on to the focus of T, or if it was if, you, if there was a, a single moment, or maybe a couple moments where yeah. you got focused in on it? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, I kind of got in T very casually, and it totally did. It kind of snuck up on me. Um, my friend in a men's group that I was a part of at the time just kind of casually started having tea, like, before the men's group. So if you got there early, like, you'd just be chilling, drinking tea, and he's like, hey, you want a cup? And I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. And he shared a, a tea that's a, it's a puer that's aged in a palmello. It's like a big citrus fruit, kind of like a, one of those big citrus fruits, uh, grapefruit, kind of like a grapefruit size citrus fruit from Japan or China and um, 
it was just really unique. I was just like, oh, this is really interesting. And he's like, oh, yeah, they pack it in here, and then they throw it in a cave and age it for 20 years. And I was just like, what? Like, it was just like, that's crazy. You know, like, totally blew my mind. And I was like, okay, that's cool. So, like, I, there was a little bit of hook, you know. And then, like, I'd have tea with them before the men's group, you know, ongoing for a while. And then he started hosting these kind of, like, men's circle tea nights, where it's, like, all the same guys from the men's group came together. And it was just tea, like for two and a half hours or whatever and like right away like from the very first one I started noticing like pretty radical like aha moments were happening at those tea nights so it was like big shifts would come through you know on the next you know the next time around I'd be like okay I another big huge aha another big huge shift you know like I had this huge breakthrough with my son at the time from the very first one I was like holy cow like I realized that for whatever reason like I kind of desensitized myself to Elliot's true age you know just because of like daily interaction and like for whatever reason like uh, I would lose my patience with him and it was like totally irrational you know like at the time he was like four years old I'm like it's just silly to like lose your temper with this four year old but for whatever reason like I realized that um if I close my eyes, like, his, the sound of his voice was a natural, like, visceral connection to his true age and energetic, like, emotional state. And so, like, I had this big aha, and I ended up, like, engaging this game with him. I was like, how would you like to, like, be my guide for the day? And so, like, literally the night before, I put a blindfold on, so I woke up completely blindfolded, and he was my guide for the entire day. I didn't take the blindfold off for 24 hours and he was just like, he held space for me the entire day and he loved it. He thought it was the greatest game in the world. And he would guide me around. He helped me make food and like change the, you know, like Pandora station. And like, it was great. You know, and I had this massive, massive, like just like rolling, cascading, like breakthroughs in relationship with him and that. And so like right away, like tea in that kind of tea ceremony, those, those men's group tea circles were, I had these just like huge ahas and big breakthroughs. And I've been working with the same guys for five years in men's group, doing really deep work, but completely different kind of energetically ahas, you know. And it's like, okay, this has got something to do with the tea, and because it's not the guys, you know. It's like there's this frequency of those tea ceremonies that really opened up stuff for me that I did not expect. So the, this the, is you, Peter, by the way. The, oh, sorry. the idea came through one of those at the time of one of those tea sets uh-huh oh interesting yeah and then poe uh guest served for one of those men's tea circles come on in Tell, remind your name again marissa marissa oh wow yay hey. thanks for sitting Thank you're welcome you this is you um Thank you. yeah so then poe rosenberg uh guest hosted or like it was at joseph's house but he was the server and, like, literally, like, from the very first cup, like, I don't know what it was. Like, I was just, like, perfectly primed for that experience or what. But, like, literally from the first cup, I just, like, had this huge, like, energetic and emotional release. And I just started just bawling. It just, like, just uncontrolled. It was just, like, holy crap. Like, it was this um, uh, immortality tea, he calls it. But it's uh, um, Guai Wang. Guai, guai Wang. Stemma. it's this herbal it has this very kind of like sweet kind of flavor to it and anyway like um it was that it was that ceremony like with Poe serving 
that I was just like totally blown wide open. I was like, I don't care what it takes. I have to have more of this frequency in my life. Mm. And everybody there was just like, yeah, you totally do. <laughs> I was like, and so my brother Joseph, who was hosting the events, um, he called me the next day and he's like, hey, I was sitting with the tea and I totally got the message that you need the hookup. And so he's like, why don't you come by my office? And I came by and he had this whole like starter tea, like everything you need to start serving tea, like tea boat, pots, cups, and like two or $300 worth of like eight different kinds of tea. And literally like the next day I went out and started serving tea at the co-op and never looked back. Like it was just been such a radically like shifting experience that, um, I just like, it's hard to stay away from. Like it's such sweet, luscious little vibes that just sprout up like, you know, like after a fire, you know, where you just like purge everything out and then just like <clears throat> this huge like bloom of new life. That's totally what my experience was with tea, like emotionally and energetically. And all of this new shit kept coming up and I was just like, this is amazing. You know, it's like, I didn't even know this could grow here. You know, like it's totally like my energetic landscape at the time. And, <laughs> and so like, there was just no, ever, there was no reason to not do it. You know, like it was just so energetically and emotionally rich landscape that I just never wanted to stop. What was that first experience of pouring tea at the co-op like? Do you remember it? Yeah, it was super <laughs> magical. Yeah. yeah, my friend Tibor, uh, who's this big-time patriarch in the community and green home builder, um, was protesting at the co-op. He'd been he actually built that Westside co-op, literally like physically built it, and he'd been a long-term member of the co-op for years. And um, there was. Uh, I don't remember the exact specifics of it, but the somehow there were these outside influences that kind of like swayed a decision to boycott Israeli products at the co-op. And it was not a decision of the board. It was like outside pressure that like kind of made this decision for the board. And so the board was totally like, you know, like pushed aside and... He's like, that doesn't even make sense. Like, the co-op exists. Like, the whole purpose of the co-op exists in the way that it's formed and structured and maintained is to have everybody's buy-in and everybody's vote. And it totally, like, subverted all of that. So he was he was like, I am going to be living on this sidewalk in front of the co-op until this message is, like, totally, like, gotten. Like, everybody needs to know that this is what's happened and it's totally not so okay. So he was trying so to... he literally was... He was yeah. trying to... to, to um have that decision made by the board instead of yeah and it wasn't i mean i i think he had his own like spiritual and personal connections to that specific issue um but he was super passionate about it and he literally like slept on the sidewalk for like two and a half months and like he was totally like every day he was having these conversations but because he was so passionate about it like after I started serving tea there, I, I primarily just wanted to go and serve him tea. I was like, Oh, interesting. I want to be there for you. And also I brought all this tea stuff and I'm like, I just want to have tea with Tibor and sit and like, kind of space acknowledge him. To hold, yeah, yeah. Acknowledge him and hold space for his commitment. Cause like clearly it was this huge, huge deal to him. And I'm like, I don't have any horse in this race at all. Like I've got no say, like I've no opinion whatsoever. I'm not even educated enough to know or have an opinion other than the fact what he's telling me. And so I just wanted to go and like hold space with him and acknowledge that his commitment. And 
instantly, like as soon as we started having tea there, like it just shifted the vibe like 180 degrees. Like it went from having these really like pointed, like tense conversations to having this like crazy cool, like love safety bubble around the tea table where all these super magical interactions can happen in a very like non-charged way. And like he tuned into that shift in the frequency, like immediately he's like, I had no idea that this was going to happen this way, but like you being here, like dramatically shifts everything. And so I just kept coming back and kept coming back. I ended up taking, this was when this vehicle was drivable. I parked it in front a couple nights and slept there uh, at the, the co-op too. And like, woke up and had tea and like I wanted to be a, like a deeper part of it all and so like we'd wake up and he was like black plastic over like the you know like totally just like sleeping on the sidewalk and to wake up and to be like already in those vibes and to hold space for that whole conversation the whole day long was just like really just earth shaking and like the connections and the space that that was was so just like magically unexpectedly transformative to that conversation um it was totally, like, what made that protest shift in, like, public kind of opinion in favor. And, um, and I, I mean, I just kept serving after that and, like, looking for opportunities to hold space in a beautiful way like that. Because it's super magical, like, to have such a visceral, like, shift in the energy and to not really do anything to do it. I mean, like, I'm doing something, you know, like, I'm holding space and serving tea, and but it's, like... I don't know, there, I think people get into tea for a lot of different reasons, and sometimes it's just adjunctively, and it's like, oh, they don't want to sell crystals, so, like, tea is a great way to get people to sit down sure. so I can sell them t- crystals. You know, so there's a lot of, like, ulterior agendas, but potentially, for serving tea. But for me, it's like, it's a, it's a vehicle for absolute um, transformation, you know, like, to hold space unconditionally for people to be loved and seen and accepted no matter how they are like that's like a radical like revolutionary act in and of itself and so for me like holding space and serving tea in that way just provides a whole new context for not only my life but like I've had people like completely melt and like shed 30 years of just shit and karma like right here and it's just like it's to see those layers just drop away and like out of just me like pouring water like literally a monkey can do this but like to be able to hold space and to be able to like unconditionally accept and love and to just treasure people just for the beauty that they are is is magical and I've never had any other you know like experience like that in my life and so to be able to keep doing that it's like why would I do anything else <laughs> so for, for for somebody that um may feel spiritually undernourished or, or that they don't have a lot of love and support like that brother on the on the sidewalk like at this point in your journey do you have any advice for for people that are out there feeling like maybe a little bit under acknowledged or, 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 or lost in this in this maze that we're all kind of sharing together or anything like that drink tea <laughs> do you think it's a, do you think it's like a universal panacea for for everybody? No, I mean it definitely isn't, but at the same time like it is such a really bizarrely like magical like cross-cultural phenomenon. You know like I mean every culture has 
a tree, a tea tradition, you know. And I was just talking about this with a friend of mine yesterday. Of like, in so many of the cases, like what you're serving is like almost like secondary. It's almost irrelevant, you know. Like, uh, Western culture can get so like monkey mind and granular about like, or like all the little specific details of the flavor profile of the tea and what mountain and what elevation it's grown in and like all the stats, you know, and like geeking out about, you know, which is totally fine, all totally valid. But like historically, tea culture and tea tradition is about like meeting somebody where they're at, you know, like oftentimes tea occurs like right when you're first dropping in with somebody, like it's acknowledging that there was a journey in your life that got you here and like really acknowledging all of those pads and you know all the things you had to traverse to get to this moment now it's like honoring that entire past and saying like you're welcome here and at the very like base level oftentimes tea is a function as a way of saying here's something clean to drink because a lot of times the water is not safe around the world and so like if you're serving tea like it's 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 an automatic transmission that i'm providing like clean water for you like, mm-hmm. this is, at the very basic human level of, like, humans need water, and, like, here's guaranteed sterile, like, boiled drinking water. And so it's, like, it operates on so many different levels, but it's completely universal all the way around the, the world. That Everybody, all traditions have, all cultures have some form of tea culture, and, and um, it's usually deeply personal and deeply, like, uh, affirming. So your advice for people would be to try that on and see how it fits for them. I mean, it's, it's an easy way to start. You know, conversely, like, for me, what tea ended up evolving into is, like, what is sacred to me and what is of highest energetic value. You know, and for me, holding space and, like, sharing space in a beautiful way is that. You know, like, is to to meet people where they're at and to unconditionally love them and accept them where they're at. Like that's where my juice is but like that it doesn't matter if somebody else is that may not be where other people's flow is at you know maybe it's like something completely different it's like i want to hold space for people who've been like like really traumatized and abused you know and like that's their passion like for me like really getting to the heart of what it is that you're wanting to like hold space for in the world and like getting at that question for me like that question is like what is sacred to me like evolved into this whole thing but the question is as is, is deeply personal as you want to make it and as you're ready to make it of like how what do I want to hold space for in the world I guess that's a good starter question of like what do I want to hold space for in the world what do I want people to be left with after holding space with me mm-hmm. and, I was just about to say that uh, you know I want to acknowledge you for um, you know the, the, the whole tea thing is, is kind of interesting because I really feel as though any of the experiences I've shared with you in the Jasmine Dragon could have been completely absent of tea. (laughs) Just the medicine that you bring um, is very, is very necessary for the people that share their time with you in this space. And, uh, and, and so, you know, I, I know that you get a lot of love. I know you get blessed up left and right <laughs> for, for, for offering, you know, boiled water <laughs> that's been hanging out with some leaves or some, you it's know, true. you know, but, uh, but just, just you and your willingness to show up, um, and be there for people 
I, I just think that um, the world would be a much better place if people, uh, if more people took that, took that responsibility on or, or that opportunity on to, yeah. to, 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 to love, you know, to love in that way. And, and so I, I think you're a shining example for me, at least. And that's really all I can speak to. I know I've seen it in other people as well, but thank you again. And um, to me, it's like an opportunity to tap into eternity. Oh. Yeah, there's a very timeless quality to the space that opens up over to you that is such a beautiful anomaly. You know, I think it's very similar to, like, seeing a, a piece of art that you really love. You know, like, there's a certain, like, quality of, like... There's a quality of awe. There's a quality of, like, acknowledging something beautiful is happening. Like, when you look out over this beautiful landscape, there's just stillness. You know, like, and even if we're talking, that stillness is still, like, pervading the background of the experience. Um, And I think for me, and I think for most human beings, like, it's those moments where, like, there's this, like, it's, it's based, like, just inherently, like, reverent. It's this, like, kind of sacred energy is what, like, brings purpose and meaning to people's lives. It's like, I feel affirmed when I, like, look at this gorgeous landscape, or I feel affirmed when I look at a flower, you know, or, like, look into my son's face, you know, and just, like, actually be with him. That's where, like, all meaning and, like, lusciousness comes from. But that's accessible everywhere. You know, like, it doesn't... It's very abundant with tea, but it happens everywhere. So... Blessed and affirm it when we see it. Do you consider yourself a magician? <laughs> Sorts, yeah, for sure. I, I think another appropriate term would be source, sorcerer. Yeah. Yeah. Like really like channeling the source of things. Mm. But everybody has the potential as well. Like, yeah. I like that term, sorcerer. Yeah. Not in a mat, like it is a deeply magical thing, but not like Linguistic. bunnies and rabbits. Like it's being willing to be at the source or like being willing to open to the source of beauty and passion and vibrance tap into the source I'm a sorcerer got the magic wand I'm a wanderer yes (laughs) yes well um I want to have another session and and dial in some more information and some yeah, shows yeah, lots more too, yeah. information and lots of stories and all that good stuff and thanks for your time and opening up your my pleasure your soul chamber to the four of us <laughs> you're most welcome can you talk about the dragon yeah for, well like uh the dragon like oh the, these dragons the, no not those dragons no, just the dragon dra- the, 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 the real dragon ones. of the jasmine or the real dragon the real dragon yeah like what's the dragon uh, what, that's a good question. What's your relationship with the dragon? Uh, hmm, that is a good question. Uh, my affinity for the dragon as a mythical and energetic creature is uh, is one of like connecting to like raw power, but like there's an element to the flight of a dragon that that automatically instills this quality of, like, grace 
like birds are like inherently like graceful they can't not be like and it's also like super transcendent too like so it's this melding of like absolute raw power and oftentimes in dragon lore like the fire and like this like like bringing it like 100% but also balanced with like this super grace of like flight and the ability to transcend above the human plane and to be able to like have that perspective for me it's it's this super beautiful rich combination of frequencies that I think is so enticing and so uh, kind of enchanting Mm -hmm. yeah these two guys in particular though represent the two dragons from uh, Avatar The Last Airbender series, Ran and Sha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And who are they? Neutral the, the, the Neutral Here's the Neutral <laughs> They're the two last remaining dragons in the in that realm or in that uh, Do they embody world. different qualities? Do they have distinct personalities or are they just like the kind of like the Khaleesi? Uh, it's a bit of like yin and yang, like male-female energies and they're part of the sun worshippers or the... the the sun, yeah, I think they were called sun worshippers or the sun warriors. Ah. And so they were acknowledging the the source of like fire is the representative of the sun, and like the sun is not like fire tends to be viewed as this destructive force, but like fire is a representative of the sun, and the sun is like pure creative force. You know, like it's just a matters of how far and how close you are to it, and so. Uh, so it also ties into that, like, level of sorcery and, like, the creator and um, sustainer of life, fire in general, and, like, the sun energy, which I like that analogy, too. So.
Are you interested in past lives, astrology, meditation, divination, crystals, and all things witchy, spiritual, and new age? Then please tune in to Shady Pines Radio on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for Celestial Sundays with me, Moonlit Brit. Two hours of dope tunes and cosmic talk. Make sure to download the Shady Pines app for easier access, or you can tune in at www.shadypinesradio.com. Radio Seance. Radio Seance, where we play some songs and then make some bad jokes. <laughs> yeah, it's a sonic journey through the fabric, fabric, fabric of time. Tuesday nights at 8. Shady Pines Radio. With your psychic friends. Listen to The Fun Show on Shady Pines Radio, Saturday mornings from 10 to 11 a.m. Pacific. Join Jessica Mullen and Kelly Cree as they discuss presence, going beyond manifestation, the creative power of emotions, and whether everything is pointless or not. Listen on ShadyPinesRadio.com and check us out at School of Life Design. I can barely read that. What the heck? (laughs) 